I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity to participate in Second Harvest, but that last statement that Maggie made about it's a lot of fun, it's really engaging, like wherever Maggie is, that's what's happening, just so you know that. But uh, Second Harvest is just a wonderful ministry. Uh, God's doing some really cool things. There were some hiccups this last time, and uh, they just saw God at work doing some really cool things, but also they identified that, and I think that's, that's huge. We see that this is a ministry that allows us to reach out into the community in ways that is helpful and encouraging and really lifts up the name of Christ in a practical way through uh, meeting a need. In fact, many of our ministries do that. Uh, Last week, we just finished a 28-day gospel challenge where there was an opportunity to share the gospel for 28 days as we better learned what the gospel is and how to apply it and how to share it. It was just, uh, again, a very encouraging thing. And we've heard many people come back and say, hey, this is what God did in that. And this is what God seems to be doing in that. We've had other ministries. And uh, most recently, I would just point us to Operation Christmas Child. I want to thank you for engaging 364 boxes we were able to put together. And the earlier ministries, I was talking about those things that happen kind of in our world, uh, relationships that are near us. But Operation Christmas Child allows us to go uh, overseas and meet people who, boy, in many ways, they wouldn't have even had the opportunities uh, to Uh, to receive gifts for Christmas. In some cases, there is no gospel access. These gifts give gospel access to people, the life-giving truth of who Jesus is. And that's a beautiful thing, and we got the opportunity to be a part of it, and that's pretty awesome. So thank you for engaging. I want to take just a moment and pray. Pray that um, God's Spirit would be at work, that He would do something with those boxes that only he can do. Like, we can be faithful, and we should be. We're faithful with Second Harvest. We're faithful with uh, the 28-day gospel challenge. We're faithful in the ministries that we serve here. We're faithful with Operation Christmas Child. But God's even more faithful. And God, uh, something unique and specific needs to happen uh, where God does his work. So let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that you are indeed good all the time. We're thankful, Lord, for the opportunities that we have to share your goodness with others. And in many cases, uh, people who wouldn't have access to real needs, daily needs. And at the same time, we're able to do it in a way that glorifies and honors you. We're not just offering food. We're not just offering words. We're not just offering uh, a, a uh, Christmas package. Lord, we, we want to offer you because we're offering this as a sacrifice to you, asking you to use it for your good glory. Lord, I, I would also extend that to the message today. We, we want to hear from you. So Lord, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand? Would, would you give us access to your word that is spirit-led and spirit-filled, that we would be pointed to you, that we would grow nearer to you, that Jesus would be big in the things that we do and say, and even the way that we receive you today, that we would get this gospel life, Lord, that would swell up in us, that in a real way, Lord, there would be conviction as, as, uh, as you lead, and that we would be careful 
focused, willing to repent and to follow you. So be exalted, O Lord, and be lifted up. It's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Today concludes our series on the Holy Spirit. And when Matt and I started to put together a seven-year plan and saying, okay, there, there are some areas that we need to teach and we need to better understand. One of the realities that really came forward is that, especially in the West, we have a tendency to not understand who the Holy Spirit is or, very honestly, we kind of make stuff up. Uh, and, and that's not good. That's not good for a church when they're making up stuff uh, about the third person of the Trinity. So we really wanted to focus and ask, in many ways, some hard questions about who God is, how he reveals himself as the third person in the Trinity, how we can best understand him. We notice that oftentimes people will stop short of really engaging with the Holy Spirit, and that's a huge concern when the height of our engagement is the Holy Spirit is here, man, that was a good song. <laughs> like, uh, that's not biblical. I'm not saying that the Spirit of God doesn't interact with us in music. For sure he does. But we see some things that God does consistently through the Word. In John 14 through 16, we see that <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will glorify the Son. So when Jesus is being proclaimed, when we're talking about Jesus, we know the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, we recognize that also there, there is a conviction of sin. So when people are confessing sin, Lord, I have sinned against you, and they're repenting of that and turning to God, we know that the Holy Spirit is at work. And, and I would even say it maybe more uh, specifically, because I, I, I do think sometimes even those things can be a checkup. Yep, we preach Jesus. Yep, we confess sin. Next, Holy Spirit's here. Isn't that great? Uh, and our lives don't really change. So what we see from the scriptures is that as we get to know God, as we love him better, as we proclaim Christ, as Christ is being proclaimed, and we get, there are things in our lives that just kind of, mm, they surface. That, those things, that's called sin. And as we identify those matters of sin, those issues of sin, we confess those. And we repent, not because like somehow we're earning our salvation, but because, oh my gosh, Lord, I love you so much. And the idea that I would stay in a place where I am bound to sin and, and not glorifying you just, it breaks my heart. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do that. I can't do that. There's something in me that is driving me away from that. We know that the Holy Spirit is at work in those places. Today, we're going to answer a question. How do we grow in the Holy Spirit? Which is kind of an odd question because uh, that question is not explicit in the scriptures. Like we can't turn to a passage that says, and the way that we grow in the Holy Spirit is A, B, C, D. It's, it's not there. So what we do identify though is that there are places in scripture that we can look and see how we can grow or better know God through that sort of interaction. We're going to be in Galatians today, and if you need a Bible, I want to encourage you to raise your hand. Uh, we have a staff person who would be happy to bring you a, pass, a Bible. Uh, we want everyone to have access to the scriptures. We think that the scriptures lead us to uh, life uh, in Christ, and so that is revealed in God's word. So we want you to have access to it. If you need a Bible, let us know. 
If you don't have a Bible, it's yours. It's our gift to you. We love you. If you go, well, I have one, but my neighbor doesn't, cool. Take it to your neighbor. We would love for your neighbor to have access to the Bible. Um, if, you, if you have a Bible, your family has a Bible, your neighbor has a Bible, then just return it at the end. That's all we ask, okay? Otherwise, you are welcome to use your device. And if you do, uh, just stay on task. Don't, don't check other stuff. All right. That's our step of faith together. We're in Galatians chapter 5, and as you're turning there, uh, I, I want to let you know that uh, the, the, the Galatian church, God was doing some really cool stuff in, and they were meeting God in some profound ways. In fact, they were receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and then a message came in. <laughs> it was like this. Um, that's wonderful that you've met Jesus as your Messiah. But don't forget the 613 rules, and let's get back to those. And that's called Judaizing. Uh, and Paul is dealing with this. He goes, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What we know about the law is that it leads us to Christ. Like, it lets us know we can't fulfill the law. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do all 613 rules, right? Like, I, I just can't. And it lets me know that I need a Savior, and that's, that's what the law pointed us to, our great need. And Paul is very explicit to say, okay, we can't earn salvation. That is a work of God. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He conquered sin and death. He rose from the grave, and anybody who calls on him can have eternal life. But that is a work of God. That is not our work. And so... Uh, Throughout Galatians, we get this message kind of um, in waves that kind of pours on us. And that's where we're at. And I would encourage us, though we may not be dealing with 613 laws, I recognize that many of us are dealing with the want to earn our salvation. What do I mean by that? I mean this, that oftentimes in subtle ways, it kind of creeps into our way of thinking and the way our, of our living well, if I'm just mostly a good person, then I'll be okay. Like, as long as my good is more than my bad, I should be fine. And it's like, well, who's going to measure that? Like, you can do, the good, you can do a good thing the, with the wrong heart or intention behind it, and it's, the, bad, it's a, the wrong thing. So even that doesn't work. Like, that's not a good measurement. And so we see, again, from the scriptures that Jesus is the one who provides eternal life. And it is a step of faith to say, Lord, I, I trust you for that eternal life. And in fact, I want to live in you in that eternal life. And it takes faith, not works. And that's what we see. In the midst of that, we're, we're going to also see that there is a warning that occurs in Galatians 5. Like You, you are in a battle, friends. And... And because you're in this battle, and this battle is the spirit and the flesh, and they're constantly in tension, we need to talk about some things. Because though your salvation isn't earned, there is a way that we follow the Lord that is disciplined and does require some action, some effort. So let's look at that. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to start, and we're going to walk through it. As we walk through it, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see a need to stand firm. You're going to see a need uh, to walk to where God is. You're going to see a need to be led by the Spirit to where he would lead. 
and you're going to see a need to live in the Spirit. Watch and see how it unfolds in front of us, friends. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Just stop there. It's a great identifier for freedom. Like, what does that mean for freedom? Because in Christ, can I just do whatever I want? Like, if I just choose to sin, isn't that okay? Because God will forgive me, it's fine. And many people do live in that, that type of place. But Paul is saying, you know what? If you do, you're going to be bound. Like, that, that's chains on you. That is, pri- that is prison. You, you've been set free. And for freedom in Christ, Christ set you free. Uh, what did he set you free to do? To not be bound by sin and death, but to be alive in Christ. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Like, how ridiculous if you have been set free from prison that you would knock on the door and go, you know what, maybe, maybe I could go back in there for a while. Like, doesn't that sound ridiculous? Yeah, you've been set free from prison, but you go, hmm, I don't know, not too bad. It's prison, you get used to it. How ridiculous. No, you have freedom. You have freedom in Christ to live a life that God has ordained and purposed you for. Don't return to it. Don't return to prison. So the first point is this, just stand firm. Stand firm. Because this world is a storm and it's attacking and it's coming from a lot of different areas. And you need to stand firm because the war is on. I believe this firmly that we are in days where Jesus could return. And I'm looking forward to it. I believe that things are starting to fall into place where it's like he is coming again. I know that I know that I know that he's coming again. And I'm not sure how many hills and valleys are between me and the end. But I think I can see the end from the hill I'm standing on here. I know he's coming back. And so stand firm because the war is on. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means don't sleep. This is not a time to be taking naps. What do we know about sleeping? Well, we know this, that we shut down during sleep. Okay, I hope everything is going to be fine because I am going to sleep right now. I'm shutting down. So to sleep spiritually is the idea that we're shutting down. Like, eh. It'll all probably be okay, probably. And we find ourselves in this cultural drift that pulls us down uh, this river of the flesh. And, and we find ourselves in places that we're like, how did I get there? You got there because you fell asleep. You made a decision to shut down and to shut the Lord out. Additionally, if you're going to stand firm, then you're not going to kneel. So to kneel is to submit, right? Like I'm just submitting to the situation I'm in, the person that I'm in. When someone's fighting in a war, what you don't see is a whole army get down on their knees and just say, you know what, king, I'll just, it, everything's going to be fine. No, this is time for battle. That time is already passed. This is time for battle. We need you to stand firm. You're not submitted to this, this moment or the world around you. You're standing firm. And You're not going to stand unbalanced. And if you would think of the culture as moving underneath us, you know exactly what I mean. Like, for some of you, you used to be able to say some things that meant something that wasn't offensive. And now you try to bring that up at Thanksgiving, and it was offensive. 
Why? Because things are moving underneath us. This culture is changing and terms are changing and ideas are changing and it's easy to lose our footing. But the scripture reminds us to stand firm. So the first thing that we're going to do is recognize that it's on. <laughs> if I'm going to follow, if I'm going to grow in the spirit, I'm going to need to stand firm. I know that I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It is not my works that save me. It's the work of Christ that has already taken place. And that he has uh, put his spirit within me. I am born again, not because I did something, but because of the work of Christ. Because God is at work, I am born again. And it's a spiritual birth. I know that. And I'm going to stand firm in that. And I'm going to try to earn my salvation. But I am going to learn to love God more because of my salvation. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. We're forward uh, a few verses here. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline walk by the Spirit and underline not gratify the desires of the flesh. And we see why. Uh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. It's like darkness and light, right? Like, I, okay, I got a handful of darkness right now. But as soon as I open it up, light invades and darkness and light don't coexist. Uh, the flesh and the spirit are somewhat like that. That you're, you're either going to walk in the spirit or you're going to walk in the flesh. And you can't kind of walk in the spirit and kind of walk in the flesh. It just doesn't work that way. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Friends, something happened at the fall that I don't think on this side of eternity we're ever going to fully understand. When Adam and Eve fell, when they chose to eat of the fruit of uh, the knowledge of good and evil, a command that God gave them to not do, when they chose to do that, there was, uh, the, the image of God was shattered in ways that I don't think we'll fully understand. That faith in those moments was as natural as breathing, and when they elected to sin, something happened to the image of God. And the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life manifested and became the foundation for a world system that each of us are drawn to. We've been immersed in, and our flesh doesn't help us at all in this battle. So what do we do? Well, we we choose to walk by the Spirit. In other words, where is the Spirit at work? And let's walk there. What do we know about the Holy Spirit? Well, I've already identified some things, right? We know that the Holy Spirit is going to proclaim Jesus. So let's walk where Jesus is being proclaimed. We, we know that the Holy Spirit is going to convict of sin. And so let's walk so close to Jesus that it is going to become evident what is sin and what is uh, the Spirit. And we're going to confess that. And we're going to repent of that. And here's the beauty of it. This God who is willing to go to the cross, and even though we may be found in sin, walking in the flesh as we repent, what do we know about the Lord? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What a beautiful work of God. It's like you, you don't have to walk around. If, if I could use this illustration, like uh, you have a dirty diaper and you don't have to walk around with that dirty diaper. Like God is willing to clean, clean us up. So walk by the Spirit. And that means then that we're not going to gratify the flesh. 
gratify the flesh. Means to be satisfied in or to take satisfaction in the flesh. Now, let me tell you, here's the problem that we have is that almost everything can be spiritual and almost everything can be of the flesh, nearly. Like, we could have bad reasons for, we could have fleshly reasons for being in church. Well, I really like the coffee. I really like the seating. I really like the lighting. Well, it's conveniently located. Like, all of those things can be reasons that people attend church exclusively, and that's probably not a good reason, though it's good you're here. But the desire behind it is, is what I'm talking about, that we have to be careful and cautious about. And what we end up doing is we're feeding a part of the flesh that is growing, and I don't just mean like from Thanksgiving and all the food we ate. I'm talking about like we are feeding this flesh, and suddenly, boy, it feels really satisfying, and I like this. And I'm learning that the more I feed my flesh this, the better I like it. And what I'm doing is excluding God completely from the equation. Like, he is not a part of the satisfaction, and that is of the flesh. And that is what is identified. No, we're not going to gratify the flesh, but we're going to choose to walk by the Spirit. Where is he at work, and how can I join him in those places? As we go from standing firm to walking in the Spirit, where the Spirit is, uh, where the Spirit is, we also recognize there is a next step. And the next step is found in verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The, the term led there can have the picture of like a, a lead rope on a horse. So if you've ever had a horse and you've had to lead it somewhere, you put a halter on it, you'll fasten a lead rope to it, and you'll uh, lead that horse wherever you want to go, hopefully. Well, that's the idea here. Once we've walked to where the Spirit of God is, now he's going to lead us. Uh, the Spirit is going to lead us where, we wanna, where he wants us to go because we're, uh, we're fastened to him. We're connected to him. We are with him in these places. I love this next passage, uh, verse 19 through 21, in this respect, that it clarifies what walking in the flesh is. Because it's really hard. Sometimes it's like, well, what is a flesh? I mean, aren't I justified in doing these things? I mean, I've been mostly good. Well, why not? And this passage really clarifies. It's not an exhaustive list. Like, this isn't the end-all, be-all. But it's a pretty good list that helps us to understand what walking in the flesh is. And this is what it says. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. I, I like Paul in this. Yeah. Like, duh, you guys. Let me just break it down. And so be like, you should know this but we're going to go through it again. And he goes, uh, sexual immorality. By the way, that's where we get the word porn from. Uh, pornography, right? Like, uh, it covers a broad deviation. And let me say it this way. It is in stark contrast to what we would say is holy sexuality, the way that God designed, the way that God intended for man and woman to be in the institution of marriage. Sexual immorality is identified uh, as, uh, like, that's of the flesh. If you're wondering what is the spirit and what is the flesh, pornography is one. Depending on which outlet you read and what year you read it in, somewhere approximately 90% of men and 30% of women are engaged regularly or semi-regularly in pornography in the United States. Oh, wow. That's a problem. I can tell you that early on in ministry, 
that came up a few times with people, but now, such a regular discussion. Like pornography is everywhere. Uh, just was <clears throat> reading an article from a Christian outlet that they, they didn't suppose that people aren't. They assumed everyone is in the article or has been engaged in pornography and talked through the effects of it and not just the effects, but how do we get victory in Christ despite the easy access that people have to pornography these days. Paul says, FYI, that's of the flesh. If you're wondering, if you want to justify it, if you say, well, wait a minute, I am in a committed marriage, but my spouse is not, so I just sometimes, nope, that's not okay. Uh, sexual immorality would be under that banner, uh, and that is of the flesh. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Hey, good thing we don't have idols anymore, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. some of you are like, is he joking? I hope he's joking. Uh, of course we have idols. Uh, they're just not these wooden idols that, uh, that we had in the past. These, these idols are attitudes and actions. Yeah, they're cell phones. They're uh, access to things. Anything where we say, my satisfaction comes from this, excluding God. My significance comes from this, excluding God. My security comes from this, excluding God. Anything that, like, that's an idol. Another identifier is, what are you willing to break a relationship uh, over? Because that's probably an identifier that there's an idol there. Well, they really made me mad. Why does that matter? Well, because uh, they were disrespectful. Well, why does that matter? Because I think they should think highly of me. Oh, that might be an idol. Uh, we can go down that list all day. The human heart is desperately wicked above all things, and we create idols like that. Somebody cuts you off. Oh, how dare them. <coughs> and there is suddenly an idol. Here's another one that I thought was interesting. Sorcery. <coughs> you may think, well, wait a minute. Sorcery isn't that big of a deal. Like, uh... I don't know, maybe it is, but I'm unaware of it. And we certainly in our culture don't make a big deal about sorcery. But if you were to read something called the Didache, it would flesh this out even more. <coughs> Rooted in this word is the idea of pharmaceuticals, where we get the word for pharmaceutical. Thank you. I think there are four people that are about to get me some water. Thank you, guys. All you have to do is start coughing. And there, there it is. I appreciate it. Thank you, friends. Um, this word sorcery is an interesting thing because it was often used to create a potion, and that potion was to abort children. So the idea of sorcery, yeah, it's a, it's a bigger term, but it was most commonly or commonly used uh, for abortion. <coughs> and that would be used as if like, I don't want to divide. Matt, God bless you. Thank you so much. You should be up here next week, Matt. He's going to do uh, um, communion next week. I don't know if you knew that or not, but okay. Yeah, that's great. Last time he gets me water. Okay. <coughs> so this idea of, um, hey, whenever I, whenever I uh, am inconvenienced, whenever I don't want to split the inheritance anymore, then I, I will go see someone who will give me a potion that I can take and abort the child. And, and so sorcery was, uh, uh, was something 
common in those days, and we just call it differently today. Enmity, strife, jealousy, all of those things, again, are, are matters of relationship. Fits of anger, someone just pulls you off, they cut you off on the road, doesn't that make you mad, and you're a whole two seconds later than you thought you were going to be? Oh, that's frustrating. Fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, like this isn't the first time you've heard this, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, what is he saying there? Because we, we might go, sometimes I have fits of anger. Kenny, you already identified that walking in the flesh, sometimes these idols pop up. So what does that mean? Well, it it means a regular practice of. So if your practice is continually and consistently without repentance, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, or fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, if those are, are the things that you regularly practice with no repentance, yeah, you should be concerned. But if your heart breaks as you think of these things, if you confess this and walk away, we know that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then we see, of course, the fruit. Like, how do we grow? Well, we grow in the fruit. The fruit, fruit grows. Uh, it's one fruit, as Pastor Jason shared with us last week. By the way, if you didn't hear that message, I want to encourage you to go online and listen to it. He does a great job of spelling out the fruit of the Spirit, what it means, how we engage, and God's work. Like, he's the one who produces it. But it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Like, this, this on the one hand, this flesh the way that it, it comes up and, and uh, is lived out, it starts with us. It's something that we, we like, we embrace, we're part of. It gratifies us first, the flesh. And the spirit, what does it do? do? It serves others. Oh, look at the way they love one another. Look at the joy that they, that they share with other people. Look at the patience that they extend to others. Look at the goodness, the kindness. Like, like that... That is expressed to other people around us in many ways. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I need you to hear me really closely because otherwise I'll get like a million emails on this one. That's an exaggeration. Matt, it's not going to be a million. Okay. Uh, crucified the flesh. What does that mean, crucified the flesh? Well, well, it means that we're under some conviction, right? Like, that's not okay. A friend of mine, um, early on in ministry, some of you have heard this story before. Uh, I've shared it in a, a few times and in a few different spaces. And that is, we had some conflict on a board. And our district superintendent, he came in, he took us to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. That's the love chapter. And he said, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. He goes through the whole thing and had us read it. It's great. Yep, I agree. That is love. Thank you for sharing that. And he goes, now, I want you to, instead of saying love, I want you to put your name in there. <sighs> Kenny is patient. Kenny is good. Like, I got to the first word, and I'm like, ugh, <laughs> that's not exactly true. 
And that was, that was the point. We got to the end and he goes, it's probably all of those you're probably guilty of breaking, but which one mostly? And I said, well, in this situation is probably, because I was, the, I was pastoring then and they said, you're going to go first because he was my boss and he could make me. So uh, he says, uh, Kenny, you're going to go first. You're the pastor. Uh, and I said, it's probably kind. I haven't been kind. Like I got to my point. I was frustrated. I stopped being kind. He said, oh, okay. <clears throat> and then this happened. One of the guys on the board said this. That's okay. My DS lost it. Like he came unglued and in a godly way. He slammed his hand on the table. And he said, it is not okay. Kenny's sin put my Savior on the cross. Jesus died because Kenny was unkind. You cannot say it's okay. You can say, I forgive you. I don't forgive you. You can say, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Like any of those, but you cannot say it's okay. I'll tell you what, things changed in that moment. All of us looked at ourselves and went, wait a minute. Love is patient, but I haven't been patient. And my impatience put Jesus on the cross. And in those places where we both love God and experience his love and enjoy the intimacy that we have with God, and we recognize our own weakness and what we have done, like my contribution to that cross, suddenly we're in a place of, ah, uh, uh-uh, I need to repent. Friends, I'm sorry to you, for being unkind. God, I put your son on the cross. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. And what do we hear from God? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And he leads us step by step in the ways he would have us go. So first, don't be led by the flesh. That makes sense, right? If we're going to walk in the spirit or be led in the spirit, then we shouldn't be led by the flesh. What is the flesh? Anything that we want without God. Anything that we're willing to break relationship over in ungodly ways, unhealthy ways, for our own good pleasure is being led by the flesh. Let's keep going. Galatians 5, 25 and 26. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So as we go from standing firm to walking where God is, uh, to being led by the Spirit, we realize that there is a growth in that we are now living in the Spirit and that we're going to keep in step with the Spirit. That means that I'm not going to purposely create division among us. We're not going to provoke one another in sin. Like that, That's a part of this, walking in the Spirit. So let's talk about what it's not. Well, if, it's, uh, if we're living by the Spirit, we're keeping in step with the Spirit. It is not keeping in step with feelings. I hear that so much. Like, we live in a feelings culture. Ugh. Like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have feelings. I'm just saying that our feelings should match up with truth. And we find the truth in the Scriptures. Keep in step with the Spirit, not feelings. Oh, I just don't feel like doing that. Hmm. That sounds like the flesh, not the spirit. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. Yikes. But is that what the scripture teaches us? 
especially if it's exclusively, right? Like, I feel like I should do this. I feel it. Okay, but does it match the word of God? Additionally, keep in step with the world system. We're not going to keep in step with the world system. What's the world system? First John chapter 2, 15 through 17. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the world system. We're not going to get better at that. You know what? If there's just a little bit more lust of the flesh in my life, that, that would be good. There's a little more uh, lust of the eyes. Oh, if I could just encourage more pride of life, thumb through some more tic-tacs. I almost said tic-tacs. I caught myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, keep in step with others. Meaning, we see what others have. And it's not necessarily that we want what they have. We just want what we don't have. <laughs> They have it. I don't want it. So we're not going to keep in step with that. If we're going to live by the Spirit, then feelings, the world system, uh, what others have, that's not going to be our focus, but Christ is. So let's take some action steps. I'm I'm going to say this before we go any further, uh, and and that is this. Oftentimes, we need, absolutely should have counselors, godly counselors, who can lead us systematically through some things that is good and healthy and I would say can be very holy. There are times when we may need medication to help with mental health issues. Absolutely true. That, that could be. Also, absolutely need to repent. Like I, I believe and I've seen this long enough, like I have enough tests in front of me, not you all, but I mean just in course of my ministry that I've seen this too often that there, there's just this justification of the flesh that it just needs to be called. You know what? That is sin and Jesus died on the cross for that sin and you just need to repent. And this really isn't a matter of mental health. This is just flesh and rebellion and you need to stop if you're going to love Christ. All right, thank you. <laughs> so what can we do? We can spend time in fasting. I, I love fasting for a variety of reasons. By the way, fasting was instituted right from the very beginning. Early disciples were ones who would consistently and regularly fast. And the reason that they would do it wasn't because they didn't have food, although they had less of it than we do. Uh, the reality was they would go, you know what? My body wants food and I need food, but I can pull away from food for a season and make my body submit to the spirit. And in those times when I am hungry, in those times where I start getting a headache, in those times where I'm starting to wander mentally and I'm starting to get angry with other people, guess what? I, I can learn to lean on God. I can learn to trust him in these spaces as opposed to, mm, I'm starting to get agitated. Maybe I'll just get a quick snack. Nope. Uh, fasting was about spending time with God, recognizing that this is coming. Like, yeah, you're going to have some hunger pangs. Yep. You might even get a headache. Yep. You're going to be more irritable. And what are you going to do with it? We're putting ourselves in a holy place of saying, and I'm preparing for Christ. Because if I can make my body surrender to the Spirit, then I'm going to grow in the Spirit. This is one of the ways of doing that. 
in a very loud and obnoxious culture, another thing that we can do that is very helpful is silence. Like, just being, being still before God. I put my phone away. Uh, I'm turning off the TV. I'm not listening to the radio. I'm going to a quiet place, whether that's in your house or out in nature. But I'm, I am choosing silence. And in that place of silence, I'm just going through like, God, I love you. You are my strong tower. You are my refuge. You are my defender. You are my sanctifier. You are the lover of my soul. Like I'm just mentally going through these kind of things as we're spending time in silence and not engaging in unnecessary discussions. It may be for an hour. It may be all day. I would encourage you to find some time to do that. Spending time in personal worship. Spending time in personal worship. Worship can be with music, uh, but it's not exclusively music. Worship happens in a variety of ways. In fact, we're supposed to worship with our lives. So taking time to go through the Psalms is a great way to just engage in worship and see how God is revealed in those places where people of faith in the past have engaged in worship. Okay, well, I'm, I'm joining that. We're worshiping. Here's what I love about it. This occurred to me this, this past week, and it's that uh, around the throne of God are angels. And those angels in the presence of God are saying this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're surrounding him with that message. And I pray. And God hears me. Like he's not distracted. Like, oh. Could you angels just be quiet for a moment? Uh, I need to deal with this. And he also doesn't go, Kenny, ugh, stop. That's unimportant. It's not necessary. No, he is an amazing God. And in this mystery of who God is, he can be worshiped. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. And Kenny, I care about you. What is going on? And he loves us. That's amazing. Spend some time in personal worship this week and see what God will do in the midst of that place. This is a good time for, the, for us to transition into communion. And as the worship team comes out, I, I just would say that I, I love communion for a variety of reasons, but not the least of which is it draws us to Christ's sacrifice. Like every week we go to this where we go, Jesus died for me? Yeah. Wait, Jesus died for that sin? Yep. And that sin? Yep. And that's Yep. Jesus died for all of them. And in those places, we just look and see how great God is that he would offer his body and offer his blood that we would have life and have an abundant life. That's amazing. So Christians are called to this practice. Additionally, we're called to, um, uh, to, to examine our hearts. And so we take some time to examine our, is there any unconfessed sin that needs to be addressed to confess it, repent, and turn to Christ? And we know, what do we know about that? That the Holy Spirit is at work in those moments. That Christ is being exalted and that sin is being confessed and repented of. And so at Friendship, you don't have to be a member of Friendship Church, but we do ask that you are a member of church, the church universal. How is that? Well, anyone who is surrendered to Christ as their Lord and Savior is a part of the body of Christ, is a member of Christ's body. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, 
then we encourage you to participate. We encourage you to examine your heart. And then we would ask that you would go to the carpeted areas to station nearest you, get both the bread and the cup, go return to your seat in the outer aisle, uh, and then continue in worship until Pastor Jason comes and leads us. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you would be exalted and lifted up. We pray, oh Lord, that you would just in a very real way minister in this place, that we would be able to stand firm, that we would be able to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to live in you, Lord, that we wouldn't be afraid to deny the flesh, but that we would see great joy in doing so, and that there would be fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that you would be glorified. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for sins forgiven. We thank you for this life you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray.